You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon. Hello. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Sid Talk. Merry Christmas. I mean, that's next week, but okay. It's the Christmas season. Tis. There's many other holidays, so happy holidays, happy whatever, or happy nothing if you're not doing any holidays happy whatsoever. Non-denominational holidays. Or no no holidays. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody's uh, you know, the same. Exactly. I'm cool with that. All right. So what's the before or the after the show discussion? Pontiffs and slurs or something, whatever. <laughs> I don't remember that. Were you in the same room? Whatever you were complaining about your test recordings with the P's and the S's. Oh, plosives. Plosives and what's the S's? Sibilance. Sibilance and (laughs) there you go. (laughs) I'm turning into a sound engineer. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) You really are. All right. So this is after the show. It's Saturday, December the 18th. And this is our movie review podcast. We review a movie every single week. And on our 715th episode, we're looking at the Clint Eastwood movie, Cry Macho. It's available now, rated PG-13. And it's from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, you give us the synopsis, your own synopsis, and then I will correct you with the one from the box. Do I seem like the type who would give you someone else's synopsis? No. There's a bunch of... Siblings for you. <laughs> a very elderly man is asked to go to Mexico to get a kid for a guy who's got questionable motives. That's it. All right. Here's the one from the box. Based on the book, Cry Macho features Clint Eastwood as a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder who takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home. Hey. Away, away from his alcoholic mother. Oh, got to tag that on there. We don't know if she's alcoholic. Crossing rural Mexico on their way back to Texas, the unlikely pair face an unexpected challenging journey during which the world-weary horseman may find his own sense of redemption through teaching a boy what it means to be a good man. Okay, so basically you weren't at this place of business on the day someone was writing this because when I go on and on and on with my short telling of what a movie's about. You say, no, 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 not the description. We want the synopsis. So they had a very long synopsis. They really wanted you to know what it was about. Yeah, and I've seen the movie, and I'm not convinced she's alcoholic. There's nothing said about that. Apart from... weird. There was some... She did act drunk about a third of the time. We saw her twice, and she was drinking. She's a wealthy lady in Mexico. She has henchmen. But having a drink doesn't, I mean, that's weird because you'd have to read the book, as I'm sure we'll discuss, probably to know that actual detail. Well, I will give you a line from yourself. And we was talking about that lady and you said, I don't get why she's normal. And then at the end of a sentence, she sounds drunk. Yeah, she kind of puts on that like, oh. So perhaps she just wasn't doing the job properly. I don't know about that either, but I still, to say she's an alcoholic on the box... Now you've got that in your head. Yes. Without you actually establishing that. All right, let's get into the movie. Cry Macho, what did you think? Well, sorry. Oh, that was it. That was what you thought. (laughs) 
I didn't mean to yawn immediately. It was just, it was boiling up and you happened to ask me a question right at that time. Here's the deal. I enjoyed it. I like the story, even though it's quite common, let's say. I don't know how else to say it. It's nothing exciting. You know, one man wants his son back in Mexico. He lives in Mexico with his mother. His mother's rich. There's allegations of abuse happening to the child, which we've never actually confirmed or nothing else happens except the kid (laughs) says that's happening and the father says he thinks that's happening, right? So we don't pursue that. Clint Eastwood is supposed to be, see, everything is a supposed to be. He's supposedly a washed up old radio guy. Rodeo. Rodeo. Rodeo rodeo guy. Yes. It's set in 1979. And then on his wall are framed pictures of him in the rodeo. Would that have been, was that like the 40s? (laughs) Because, I mean, we know he's 90. (laughs) How long ago? You just have to look over the timeline. Right. So he's supposed to have been. A rodeo guy and then broke his back and his family died. And now, and now how many years later? Because he's fucking old. I mean, no shade on Clint, right? This is awesome to do movies when you're over 90. I get it. But in this story. <laughs> it was a bit odd the time. I like- had to be like, okay, it's 1979. Was it supposed to be 20 years ago? Because if so, he would have been a 70-year-old rodeo guy. And I don't think. I don't also, think there are. Also, the picture on the wall of him as a youngish rodeo guy was a picture from the movie Bronco Billy. And he was about 25 years old. Yes. Or whatever he was Maybe then. 30. Maybe. Right? So, so that would have been 60 years prior to what? this moment in time. <laughs> so you're supposed to get into that. And then you're supposed to just assume this the, a young man, sadly, has possibly potentially been abused. We see nothing of it at all. There's no part of the storytelling that fills that in for us. The dad is supposed to be like a good guy because he gave Clint all these years of, you know, supporting him I'm and not whatnot. I'm convinced. Yeah, because he seems sleazy immediately. I mean, Dwight Yoakam has always kind of been a sleazy character in movies, I think. But so he's supposed to be the good guy. Now he's asking this very elderly man to drive to Mexico alone and essentially... Clint Eastman says, I can't kidnap the kid. And he goes, well, it's not kidnapping if he's your kid. He's like, well, it's not my kid. So essentially what he's saying is kidnap my kid for me. Yeah. But he's 90. So, and he's really, he is of his age, right? There's no extra I mean, his age is never disclosed in the movie. No, but So is he supposed to be 70? No, he can't be 70. (laughs) No. So, you know, so you're supposed to just buy the idea that this guy now thinks that this dude can get in a vehicle, drive all the way to Mexico City, by the way. Mexico City, very large city, hard to find people. All this stuff you're supposed to buy into, that was the hard part for me. However, all that being said, once I got going and we meet Marta and her grandchildren and we get to the town and I'm leveling out, I even said it's like a Hallmark movie. I'm not a huge fan. No offense to people who love the Hallmark movies, but I understand it. That this very sweet, precious thing, these two dudes, the old dude and the kid, now found a place where it's just right, right? It fits right. The people are caring about them, and they've got a daily life, and they're doing the horses and the animals, and they found a family situation. That isn't impossible in life. It's very plausible. I've got it. You said earlier, I don't know what the message was for the whole movie at the end. Like, I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's another thing. I just got it. Okay. Home is where the heart is. Oh, my. 
Did you just make that up? I'm just doing uh, this also a bit sappy, but it is correct. It is a sap. It is. It's like where you take yourself and you find the place that everything feels right. That's kind of the heart of this movie if without being too saccharine. Yeah. For some reason, I got over the hump of being like, oh, my God, this is such a flimsy story and it's not performed great. And the dialogue is questionable at times and all these other things going on. But all of a sudden, when he meets her... She brought the whole movie to life for me, to be honest. Marta, the lady that he meets with the granddaughters. I mean, she actually breathed the life into it. And I guess that's the idea, right? Now, what I thought of the movie, I'm quite a big Clint Eastwood fan. I appreciate what he does. I said to you before this movie, he doesn't just do the same thing over and over again. Where this one is kind of similar to The Mule that he did recently. I mean, it's an old man in a truck going on a road trip type of thing. There's just different motivations, but it, and it is similar to that. But I did prefer The Mule because it had, at least it had some balls to it. This doesn't really, does it? Right, that's where the Hallmark movie thing yeah. comes in. Even this the is bad a family guys, movie. Yeah, basically. even the bad guys are Not fine. very bad. No. The cartoon comic characters. Yes. Yeah, she is. She's supposedly the, the mother. She comes across as a cartoonish villain to me. And is she a villain? Who knows? She's got henchmen, so maybe she is. The yeah. henchmen come across as like idiots. Like they like it'd be so easy to lose one of them. Like, you know, if they're chasing you in a car? And if I you turn left, they're not gonna follow yeah, you. Yeah, and I don't mean to harp on the age. I don't mean to be ageist, but it's very okay. When there is a what, thirty year old man with a gun. He's already a bad guy, a villain of, of sorts, approaching. All he has to do, literally, is give Clint a kick. Yes. And he'll fall down. Whereas Clint somehow manages to punch him in the nose, kind of, sort of. And then the guy just is like, oh, you know, I had to really, I didn't want to laugh because it, se- it seemed rude. I kind of did how laugh. I felt. <laughs> it seems awful, doesn't let's, it? Let's also mention how virile Clint is in this movie. Uh, yeah, the ladies like him. I mean, he's a 91-year-old man. And the lady who's the mother, who is, what, a 40-year-old lady, maybe? Um, she seemed like it. Yeah, she's definitely not in his age bracket. But then all of a sudden, she's offering it him. It being sex. <laughs> and I was like, is this is this a joke, this part? Is she like, tri- is it a trick? But it wasn't a trick, was it? She actually wanted to go to bed with him. But are we being terrible? It felt wrong to me. Right, but was it us being terrible? Probably. Ageist. Yeah. It's very possible. Later on, he just walks in a place and the women the women just like (laughs) Like he's some kind of woman drug. But he's a ninety one year old man who as far as him being Clint Eastwood, he might be a woman drug. But I don't know about the character of this guy. It was it was one of those stretches you had to just kinda go with that. That was one of the things that just I was actually smirking. Like, I was like, hold on, he's going to walk in here and this woman's going to like, oh, she does like him. There we go. But again, are we just being rude? I think so. And blind to this, the concept that, are we brainwashed? I'm going to say we're brainwashed. And so I'm going to try to rethink that. Now, I was trying to think about Clint's trademark style of directing, and it does come into play here as well of the... Definitely. Economical, straight to the point, nothing fancy... He does that again, right? Yep. And sometimes to the detriment of the movie, because there are a couple of things where I was like, that could have done with another take because that wasn't 
very good delivery of those lines. Agree. Dwight Yoakam, for instance, on the telephone, it sounded like he was reading a book. I wasn't quite connected with him emotionally. I was like, he doesn't sound like he's into those lines or he's not quite, you know, he's doing it on his own in a room. So he's just not quite connected with Clint. It did, sadly. And there was a bunch of that also from the mother. And like you mentioned, it sounded like a Mexican soap opera kind of acting. A little bit. If you've ever watched a Mexican soap opera, it can be quite exciting. We have a Mexican channel on cable at work. And so sometimes during the day, I put it on, I mute it. It's up on a big TV up in the thing. And I'll look up every once in a while and just watch like, wow, it's very melodramatic and very like animated. And that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But this movie's not supposed to be that. And it is on occasion, which I thought just took me out of it a few times. I'm not saying it's bad actors. No. It's just not the right people in the right roles, I guess. I don't know about that. I think it's just the standard. If someone accepts that scene and you've just done it and they're like, cut, we're good, then you're good. And nobody's questioning it. So then that's when I'm a little like, "Uh, And I know this is based on a book, but I find the story itself to be like the most flimsy, simple story you've ever. It was a little bit. There's no shock to it. There's no twist to it. There's no anything. It's just this journey. Everything that you think is going to happen happens. And there's never a moment of you going, oh, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat or anything. like Not there's... really, no. And that's an issue I have. Because when we watched The Mule, which I said was kind of a similar-ish movie, there were times where you were like, wow, he's in danger. But this, I never felt any danger. Even the, the sheriff of the town and stuff, it was just all like, as yep. a sheriff. And there's a lot of like crappy where I'm like, oh, God. They're driving? There's a roadblock with police, literally like 10 feet away from them. And Clint goes, oh, we'll just turn here, and then they won't even bother with us. But they can see you come turning, right? Yep. There's a lot of that where you have to go, why didn't they follow them? There's a boy and an old man in a car. That's and f- you're looking for a boy and, and an, an old, old man. man. <laughs> <laughs> so there's tons of that. It took me out of it. I was like, oh, we didn't think about that part. Yeah. The relationship between Clint and the boy was my favorite part of the whole thing. And I know the movie's called Cry Macho. And there's a rooster in this movie that's kind of like the third character. It's an actual rooster. But I found it to be unimportant. Who cares? I mean, I liked the rooster. It was a nice rooster. <laughs> it was. I, I, liked yes. the, I liked the idea of it. But then, yeah, like... Um, it was a cockfighting rooster. And then it was a... It was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. Pleasant rooster. And I imagine if you did read the book, that it had more of a... Because you're only visualizing this kid carrying this rooster around all the time, that a different kind of impact than you're actually watching yeah. and listening to this rooster constantly in the scene, which, you know, I mean, is it fun? Is it? I don't even know. See, that was the thing. I was like, well, maybe the rooster is there to provide some laughter at some points, mm. but wasn't really any laughter from it. And yes, it was pivotal in a pivotal scene at the end. But then again, it could have been also something else, right? Anything. Yes. So the the whole rooster thing was like I was I was kind of lost on that. But then there was a it horse. It had to have had more meaning than in the yeah, book. Especially that the book is named Cry Macho, which is the rooster, and also the idea of being a tough guy and stuff. Clint tries to give the boy some lessons, doesn't he, about yeah. riding horses and being a man and And diffuse the idea that this 
strength thing is really what it means to be a man. You know, he says, you think you got all the answers. And then he's like, what an idiot. We think it's strong to be a rodeo guy, but what kind of an idiot lets a horse throw them 50 feet in the air and trample And then ruin half the life. Yeah, does... It's not macho. It's not strong or anything, you know. So that I guess is that the lesson I'm supposed. I think that to was the best uh, scene in the whole movie. What you just talked about. Yes, I agree. Because it looked like Clint actually had a lump in his throat. Yeah. Not because he's old, because he was upset. It looked like he it brought something to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the only moment, actually, aside from the lady you like, Marta, who played. She brought a lot to it. I think yeah. emotionally. But as far as it being a enjoyable, I found it flimsy, and I'm a fan of Eastwood. You are. And I also found it kind of just too on the nose. There was never a surprise. Even the ending, I wasn't surprised. And the ending's really unsatisfactory to me as well. It's kind of boring. Well, you're just harsh. You're it's harsh. Very, well, I know, it's, I know that Clint is super romantic, and this movie has a very romantic, romanticized version of this kind of story, doesn't it? Because yeah. I feel like this kind of story would be way more violent and way more tragic than it is. Uh, definitely. You know? <laughs> this is the nice version of that story. And I guess that I guess I don't like that. Well, you don't have a heart. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, true. <laughs> I just need some stakes. You know, something. Some high stakes something. Something to make me go... I mean, there were tortillas. I don't know if they had steak in them. I think they did. <laughs> they did have some... Oh, yeah. What about them sitting around the table eating fried chicken while they have a rooster? <laughs> It just seemed rude. Yeah. I, was that a joke? Or was that know. just not thought properly? Again, probably just in the book. Because you said, oh. Rude. <laughs> you, you said macho. You want to close your eyes. And yeah, I really, said, perhaps macho. that is macho. Oh, but, but there he was. You don't, I don't think you fry roosters. So you might, you might be safe there. Well, tell that to Kenny Rogers. <laughs> That's a roaster, not a rooster. Kenny Rogers roaster. I thought it was rooster. <laughs> no. I thought he murdered roosters and fried them. It's Kenny Rogers Roasters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to rename it Kenny Rogers Roasters Roosters. <laughs> Roasted Roosters? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that'll go off really well with their, um, what's it called? Test the market. That I'm sure people will love it. You mean like market research? Yes, people will. <laughs> yeah. They'll be on board. So that's really it for the story. I'm, I'm Seriously, we've not even spoiled the story, but... There's not much to. There's not much meat on the bones of the rooster. Ba bum bum. Am I supposed to ba bum bum that? So let's get on to the cast. Clint Eastwood as Mike Milo. It's basically the sequel to Bronco Billy, right? I don't know. I don't remember watching Bronco Billy, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. It isn't. It isn't. But there is a picture of him in Bronco Billy on the wall, which makes me believe that. How did you confirm that? I had a look on the uh, IMDb okay. trivia. Okay. It's not clever. They went. Have we got a picture of Clint being in a Bronco anywhere? Oh, yeah, we have from that movie. And they put it on the wall to show that he was a Bronco guy. That's fair. It is fair. But what did you think of Clint's acting here? Um, Not that you have to judge Clint at this point. No, he doesn't need my approval, but um, does that tell you what I want to say? Yes. <laughs> there are times when he's genuinely broken up. You can tell it's an emotion. hes I don't think he's acting. When he's laying there with his hat on his face and he starts actual crying. Yes. Something got to him. You can just tell the difference. And then him just being able to maintain 
that grit that he actually in the movie says that's just bullshit too. You don't need that's all you end. It's just stupid to think you need to be grit, have grit to be a macho man, right? So he kind of hangs on to a bit of that when he gets pissed off, or but it's all very mild. Again, we've established he's taken pills in the past, probably pain pills. He's been an alcoholic. He's been down and out. He broke his back. He's no use to the farmer guy or the rancher guy anymore. So he's made he's just mellowed. Yeah. So there's not a lot of edge there. There's no bad language or anything like that. No, it's mostly all understanding yeah. and him identifying with wanting this kid to have a better life. That's what I felt most of the time. And then Dwight Yoakam plays Howard Polk. He's in two scenes, basically. Mm-hmm. How do you like him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he... I'm not a fan just because it just didn't make any sense. He did not, and his delivery of lines was poor on occasion. Yeah. And also, it was just... I don't know. The fact that Clint owed him something, and it kept going back to that. Yeah, like, it did sound like a sleazebag. Sound like a sleazebag. And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's professional performing then, because, I mean, I don't think Dwight Yoakam is a sleazebag, so there you go. And the kid in this movie is a new actor, Eduardo Minet. He plays Raffo. What did you think of the kid? I thought he was really good in times, sometimes, just like everybody else in this movie. There were moments, and then there were moments. Yeah. Some of the characters speaking in Spanish, they chose not to subtitle them, so he had to kind of tell Clint what they were saying. Yeah, I actually really liked that. I, I did thought that too. was good. Yeah, I, I like that too. And the kid sometimes withheld information, you could tell. He, he just, just go, told him. He'd say what they say, and he's like, mm, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a funny turn yeah. for him. And then we've got Fanada Urajola plays Lita. That's the mother. Yeah. Oh, and, the mother. Okay. Yeah, I did not like at all. I, you didn't. I, I mean, she. I didn't buy her in that big mansion and stuff. I also didn't buy like how shitty their security was. Clint just walked in there. He did. <laughs> like just literally a cowboy walked in. Yeah. With his hat on and just mingled. <laughs> well, he just walked through, but yeah, the, yeah. yeah, it wasn't great. No. And then the best part of the movie is this lady, Natalia Traven, who plays Marta. Definitely the best Absolutely. part of the movie. She's the lady that, the second lady that Clint uses his lady magic on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then, but she kind of controls that situation. She did, but so I liked you, could, it. you could see him casting the spell as soon as he walked in. And mm. she was like, ooh, you know, like. I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Bond, you know, like where he just walks in a room and they're all, all the ladies are like, oh, hold on. There he is. <laughs> so directed by Clint Eastwood also. At 91, still directing movies. Here's some of the movies he's directed. The Mule, Sully, American Sniper, Gran Torino, Changeling, Mystic River, Unforgiven. The list goes on for a long time. He's got some very good movies in there that he's directed. This is definitely not up there with with those for me. Yeah, sadly um, not for me either. No. I get what it is and what it's supposed to be. And maybe it is good for what it is, but didn't really do much for me. Where the mule actually did, I was enthralled by that one. Can't take it away from Clint. When they say legend, I think he's a legend. What do you think? Yeah. I mean... And I said, as we're watching it, and I'm kind of wondering, and again, playing into the brainwashing about when people get older, do we want to watch them? Do we feel the same 
power of their presence on the screen when they're trying to do a character when they're physically not that character, like not even close, right? So my thought came across like maybe Clint Eastwood, just as a person, has decided, you know, putting him, he didn't have to be the person. He just decided to do it. Maybe there's some thing, it's almost like a, what do you call it when someone's doing performance art? So the whole of his life, from the time he was a very young man until, let's be honest, probably up until the time that he dies, we will see him in life. Well, you don't see that with everyone. We see him on the screen. We don't see that with everyone, right? Right. We don't see, I said to you, have you heard from Billy Bob Thornton lately, right? So you see him in the prime-ish, if we're going to go that way, right, of a certain age, you know, the way he performed and the characters fit that age group and that's like a middle age kind of you know or aging to middle age i think fargo was the last time we saw yeah and we haven't seen him and that's been several years yeah so there's a person that you're missing out big chunks whereas clint eastwood it seems to me if you ate if you timed out his movies yeah maybe there's a skip there in the 90s i don't know for sure but i don't don't know No, i think he's been constant right so his whole life as like being able to look at him and his capabilities, his ability to do whatever he's doing, we are going to see it on a screen. We You could do clips from his almost his entire life from the time he's a young man. I don't think he was a child performer or anything. That's quite a feat, really. So I wonder if that has occurred to him. Like, I just want to live my life on the screen and directing movies, and then when I'm done, I'm done. I mean, when I'm done, I'm done. Because <laughs> that's how it feels. Right, so let's get on to IMDb reviews. What do you think of those, and what are they? The reviews on IMDb. It's really simple. <laughs> all right, these are the people who gave it a one star and don't like this movie at all. Okay, well, you know, everybody's got their thing. All right, first guy says, Why doesn't Eastwood just retire? He's a decrepit old fool. He's not even the best actor, and he has definitely reached the twilight of his career. This story is just old and tiresome. Please do the world a favor and retire, exclamation points. Well, now without saying those exact words, it's almost what we're saying. So that makes us sound like jerks. Because we, are, that's, we are jerks. Sorry, Clint. <laughs> because the essence of what we're saying, we keep mentioning his age and blah, blah, blah. That's what we're saying. So I'll take back some of what I've said. What so ca- I won't sound like that guy. Second guy says, what a car crash of a movie. The once great Mr. Eastwood has made a big fat turkey. This is the worst acting I've ever seen, and I lost patience when the attractive middle-aged woman tried to get 91-year-old Clint into bed with her. Preposterous. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I don't know if it's preposterous, because it's plausible. It's just in that moment? It's flimsy. It's flimsy because why? Not because he's old. Because he just walked in. Yeah, she literally just walked in. She's basically in. threatening to either kill him, bribe him, put him in jail, or now she's flirting with him. It just didn't make any sense. No, none. That's the problem. It was like she was mental and she was having a <laughs> well, breakdown. That's what uh, what's his face said. She's crazy. Yeah, but it just was terrible. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, this guy says, "This is horrible. You should have stopped at the mule. Totally unbelievable plotline." It's great that you've made it when you're 91, but there's no way a 90-year-old ma- one man is going to Mexico to rescue a kid. It's just ridiculous. You should have just cooked the rooster at the beginning and ended the movie there. <laughs> oh, my God. No, don't cook the rooster. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? 
So those are the people that gave it one star. Okay. And those are not our opinions. No. So extras, there are a couple on the Blu-ray. There's a making of that we watched, and there's also Macho and the Mustangs, and it's about the animal handlers who with the hmm. horses. Because okay. there is some horse breaking, as they call it, scenes in this movie. Which also, you had to really, really take a leap there. You had, to, yeah, they definitely pulled not the just, camera. Back. Yeah, but not just because, you know, an elderly person is doing it, because I'm sure it happens in the world. But the fact that this unknown guy walks into this unknown village, and a guy who is looks quite, you know, established as a business guy, goes out, they get the wild horses, and then they bring them in, they train them, and this old man just walks up, and he's like, okay, you can do it for me. <laughs> and then he gives right. him money. It's like... That's the part I was a little bit. I've got a little funny story to tell about elderly that just happened recently. Oh right? dear, are we just gonna really slam the old people? I was watching BBC News and they were talking about Ridley Scott's new movie, and this guy wasn't joking. It was like one of those, you know, BBC News pieces where the guys with a voiceover. Okay. And the voiceover started, elderly filmmaker Ridley Scott. Elderly filmmaker. <laughs> I was like. Are you trying? Are you being a dick? <laughs> I mean, I know he is, he is old, uh, but I mean, why do you have to lead with that elderly? But that's filmmaker? what we're doing. We're doing what they're doing. So now I'm feeling guilty. All right, I'm gonna have to get over this shit because that's what we're doing. We're mentioning his age, but it stands out. Maybe we should be like, "Bravo, Clint! We want to see more people of all the ages, right? To do all the stuff." Yes, but good though. It has to be really high quality. <laughs> Oh, maybe that is our problem. It's just yeah. not, it doesn't feel very good. So in conclusion, I am going to give this movie, Cry Macho, a 5 out of 10. I give it a 6.2 because it looks gorgeous. It's well made. You know what I mean? Like the looks of every scene and every set. And if it won me over at any point to being like, now I'm invested in these people and I do care what happens by the end... So I added a little extra point there for that. Well, that's pretty generous of you. Yeah, well, I'm a reasonable human being. All right, next week we're going to review the movie The Matrix Resurrections, which is a.k.a. The Matrix 4, the new Matrix movie. A.k.a. A.k.a. Excited, because I love The Matrix. You do. So movie recommendations this week. I'm going off my Clint Eastwood tip. Okay. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I've actually recommended it before. It's a movie from the 70s with Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. And it's a heist slash bank robber movie. And I think it's overlooked by many. You've not seen it? I don't think I have. I mean, I have to. But I would recommend it. It's very of its day. You know, it's one of those very 70s movies. Hmm. And my other one is Clint Eastwood in Firefox. And that's not the web browser. The one where he's in the plane. He's not making a web browser. <laughs> not that one. That's oh, a, well, I got you. I yeah. was totally confused there for like a half of no zero it's, seconds. It's like Top Gun, but cheap. <laughs> so I recommend that one. Firefox. Oh my, oh my gosh. And my recommendations this year, all I've been doing is going back to the 80s. So my recommendations are The Meaning of Life, which you love. I do. Because it's like from 1983, so that's what I'm saying. I'm going back to the 80s and my whole list of movies I've seen. I know I've seen. I don't remember them all, but I know I've seen them. Just one, Waffa Thin Mint. Waffa Thin Mint. I do remember this one. I would like to watch it again. So Meaning of Life and 
Flash dance. A classic. What a feeling. I don't think I would like it now, but I loved it at the time. Are you a fan of dancing and shower heads? I'm really not, but I probably got swept up in the moment of it all. Just, you know. Can't say I've ever watched it. Mm. I don't think I saw it. I'm I'm too cool to watch that. Uh, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> uh, I'd watch it if Clint Eastwood was the dancer. The dancer. <laughs> yeah. But only like now if he remade it right now. <laughs> All right, I'll get stop. that one out. We're going to stop now with the age things. We're being jerks. Yeah. So we're done. So Ace Scully stuff this week. I have been playing a new game called One Hand Clapping, said Zog. What okay. do you think of that title? <laughs> I don't know until you tell me what it's about. Right. It's a really cool game. It's a side-scrolling platforming game, right? So imagine Side you've got a character. platforming you got a character like, let's say, you know, this character is like Mario, for instance. That's how, that's what a side-scrolling platformer is. You've got Mario, he runs along, jumps over stuff. So it's a side-scrolling game like that. Obviously, you don't play as Mario. Play as this little character. Now, what the gimmick, I would call it a gimmick for this game is, one-hand clapping, is the character can't get to places because there are no platforms for it to jump on. But if you sing into the controller microphone, you don't have to lift the microphone to your mouth. You just sing. Platforms will appear. And depending on the note that you sing is how high they will be. Do you get what I'm saying? So if you went like, do, re, mi, fa, so, you'd build like platforms that go up. Okay. And it listens to the tone of your voice and builds platforms. And you've got to get the character from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen by singing and making platforms. You know, if you sing like a really high note for a long time, you make a really steep curve that goes up like a wave file. Okay. And then you can run up the wave file. So it's a puzzle of like what to sing and what kind of noises to make to make the right platforms to get from one side of the screen to the other. Now I have found a little way around a lot of the stuff. You don't have to sing. And it does say at the beginning of the game, you can either sing, whistle, or hum. But I've found humming is the, into the controller is the better way to make platforms. Now, if you was Christine Aguilera, I'm sure you would be singing into the, <laughs> but I'm not singing into the controller. <laughs> so I'm just like, hmm, 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 and then I see the things. So anybody can do it. You don't need to sing. But I thought it was a cool take on the platform game. Because when you do sing, you can see the waveform appearing. And the waveform are actual platforms that you can jump onto. So that's the basically the game. It's a I puzzle. mean, I'm not understanding what you're saying totally, but I, I, I'd have to see it. So it's called One Hand Clapping. It's an indie game. It's available on everything right now. PS4. It's also on PC. And I like these kind of cool little indie games, you know, with something... It's an idea that like a major game probably wouldn't go with, right? But an indie game can mess around with interesting concepts. I haven't been playing any other games, but I have watched a documentary, or I'm in the middle of a documentary, let's say, this week, called Get Back. You haven't seen any of it, Sid Talk, have you? I have not. You've just heard my uh, running commentary on it, probably. Correct. <laughs> that is <I'm>, correct. <laughs> anyway, uh, independent filmmaker Peter Jackson... Have you heard of that guy? <laughs> I've heard of that guy. Yes. <laughs> he uh, made this documentary 
out of hundreds of hours of footage of the Beatles during the Get Back album, they had a documentary filmmaker on the set of them making the album. And this footage never amounted to anything until now. So they've pulled it out of the vault. It's all in, you know, Paul McCartney, you know, it's all in, what do you call it, cooperation with him. So Peter Jackson's made a documentary out of this hours and hours and hours and hours of footage. And his movie, which is, it's a documentary, it's in three parts. It's about nine hours long, so it's not for the faint-hearted, I would say. Yeah. It's kind of about the same length as the Hobbit movies, right? They're about nine hours long, aren't they, each one? Is that right? <laughs> no, not Feels each. Feels like it sometimes. <laughs> not each. <laughs> this is the documentary of them making this album. And I thought going into it, it was just going to be straightforward. They're in the studio, they're making an album, we'll get to hear them do the songs and stuff. And while there is a lot of that, there's also a lot of how the Beatles interacted with each other. And not just how they interacted with each other, like generally, like how they interacted each other in this very late stage of the Beatles where, you know, within a year there was no more of the Beatles. Right. And you can see the strains and the the history. You can feel the history between them. Hmm. I've not fully through it yet. I'm about four hours in, but I keep getting a lot of relationship drama between them. You you know, you just got it. You kind of feel that it wasn't all great during that period even though they try and remain calm and they try and remain very polite with each other. Looking in between the lines, it isn't quite what it seems. But you do get to hear them record the album Get Back, which features many awesome tunes. So if you like the Beatles and you want to see nine hours of them making an album, this is the movie for you, (laughs) Get Back. It's on Disney Plus, by the way, if you want to see it. I about sang it. We can't sing it because then... No, we can't sing it. But Disney Plus is where you can find it. So what is for dinner, Sid Talk? Well, you've requested an impossible whopper. So that's what we're going to have. And what is your advice? And we'll get out of it. Um, that seems quick. It was just quick. Seems quick. We've been doing this for 40 minutes already. Oh, that's really short though, right? No, we usually go between 30 and 50 minutes. Okay, well, my advice is not advice. It's also an observation, as I like to do. From time to time. And maybe my brain just doesn't quite sync up with everybody else. But what I've noticed with people and the world of people and what I can glean, right, from observing, is that the worst feelings that we all have experienced, you know, the worst of feelings would be victimization, grieving, loss, Right. Those are like the worst of the feelings, that feeling of having lost someone or something and grieving the loss of that being the victim of something. It could be anything from the most horrendous to what someone else might say. Yes, you're a victim of a person doing a thing. We'll weigh them against each other. And oh, this one's worse than that one. But if you if you take away the severity of the thing that has happened, what remains is the emotion of the person. Right. So if person A is absolutely completely and utterly devastated and cannot seem to function in their life. And what has happened in their life is that their home burned down. Right. And another person you observe has the exact same what feels like the same level of devastation. They can't move on. They can't get on with another day. It's something is crushing them that you what you see on the surface is the same. 
and then you find out the reason for their emotion is that their their child has died on, on any level at any time from any reason, right? Now we then go, oh well, the reason you burn, your house burns down, you can't be as upset as the person who lost their child, and I don't disagree with that on most levels because you shouldn't compare. But obvious, right? Right? It's a house. It's a it's a person. It's your child. However, the feelings of the person when those two individual people are alone. You know, sitting on the toilet, laying in their bed, driving in their car, taking a long hot bath at an event or at a thing or a place that reminds them or brings that feeling back to them. It's the same. The devastation is the same. The grieving is the same inside of them. And then as a society or whatever, we all just try to classify and go, well, you shouldn't be quite as upset as them because their thing is worse than your thing. But you're saying to the world, but my feeling, the way I feel about it, I can't go on another day, whatever it is. I can't. I don't. And so to me, it's the same feeling. But we want to judge people or decide that they get to have to deal with them different ways. I don't know. That's just an observation I've come up with that if you think about it in life and you're, you know, on completely different types of things that can go terribly wrong in life. One person might not get a promotion and another person gets fired. And you're like, well, not getting a promotion is not as bad as getting fired. But to those people in their life, their reaction, their feeling of it, you know, if you erase the reason and then measure their response, it's probably similar. They think about it all the time. It makes them feel less confident. That makes them doubt themselves. It makes them emotional. It makes them not want to function like, what's the point? Whatever the thing is, if you tick a bunch of boxes, they're probably both ticking a lot of the same boxes. But the reason is very different. And we all try to like diminish one over the other. Because if you look at the cause, one does seem less severe, right? But then the emotion that brings up is like the same. So don't know. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> That's kind of like this movie we just watched. We don't know what the message was. You don't know what the message <laughs> <laughs> So Well, consider the person's reaction sometimes if you can and if it's applicable more than the cause and see if you have more or less compassion and then wonder, why do I feel less bad for this person? Why do I think this person's a big baby when in fact, what they're feeling is probably pretty hardcore. I might not feel that way if that thing happened to me, but they do, right? So that bridges a little gap there between you. There you go. There's your life lesson. Well said. Thank you, Sid Talk. Ascully.com is the site where you can go and get our podcast. We're also on anchor.fm slash after the show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Or also email me at ascully.ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't uh, like any of you. You can email me. That's fine. And stay classy, Mr. Clint Eastwood. Even though this one wasn't a hit for me, I want you to carry on doing what you're doing. Thank you. And I'm going to say thank for yourselves, because if you don't do it, someone is doing it for you. 